Hi, I'm George Bodarki, and this is Cityscape. In a city like New York that's constantly evolving, you often hear grumblings that neighborhoods just aren't what they used to be. You even have people who miss the old Times Square, as gritty and crime-ridden as it once was. Further downtown, St. Mark's Place is frequently the subject of that kind of debate. The three-block stretch in the East Village has long had a reputation as being a hotspot for counterculture. It's synonymous with names like Allen Ginsberg, Andy Warhol, and the Ramones. But some feel that pizzazz has been lost to gentrification. Regardless, the tiny street has a long and rich history. Journalist Ada Calhoun grew up on St. Mark's Place and recently penned a book about it. It's called St. Mark's is Dead, The Many Lives of America's Hippest Street. Ada and I recently met up to take a walk through her old neighborhood. We started on Astor Place and worked our way to Tompkins Square Park. So here we are on St. Mark's. We are standing before a Keith Haring sculpture. Tell us about Keith Haring. Well, Keith Haring came to New York City from suburban Pennsylvania, and one of the first things he did was he stenciled Clones Go Home on the borders of the East Village um, to keep out you know, folks from the West Village that he didn't think really epitomized the spirit of the East Village. So I think there's a tradition there of people getting to the East Village and thinking they they belong there and they know what's right for the East Village and nobody else does. Um, and in Keith Haring's case, I think people think he was he was right ultimately. But I always think like from the outside, probably who is this you know twenty year old suburban kid thinking he knows what's up here? Hence the title of your book, right? St. Mark's is dead yeah. because so many people have thought, wow, St. Mark's is dead. Yeah. So the title, it's sort of a joke because people have been saying that since St. Mark's Place existed. It started out as a very rich street in the 1830s. And, you know, every era has reinvented this, era, this part of New York City. And they've all thought they were the ones who really understood it. We should point out that it is a very windy day, so you're hearing wind <laughs> blow here on St. Mark's. Exactly, yes, there's a wind advisory. You are not of the belief that St. Mark's is dead. You believe that St. Mark's is still blossoming. In fact, it is blossoming. We see some wonderful <laughs> yeah, again. trees blooming right now. Yeah, no, I think, you know, you look around and it's it's packed. I mean, here we are like on a random weekday morning and, you know, it's, it's bustling and there's tons of kids around and, um, you know, if you come here at, at 2 in the morning, it's just as crowded. Talking about Keith Haring, Keith Haring died of AIDS, and AIDS had a profound effect on St. Mark's Place, right? It did, and that is one of the times when a particular era of St. Mark's Place died in a really horrible and, um, and tragic way. Um, so the St. Mark's Baths, which we can actually see from here, um, which then later became Kim's video, it's now a bar called Barcade, that was really uh, one of the main bathhouses in New York City for the gay community, and it was padlocked in 1983 because of AIDS. Now, in the corner here, we have St. Mark's Hotel. How long has that been a hotel? Well, since, I believe, the 70s, um, and it was called the Valencia Hotel before um, Burroughs stayed there, Gigi Allen, the performance artist, stayed there. Um, it's, it's never been maybe like the plaza. It's a little bit seedy. I think even today, some young people told me that they like it because they have um, like two-hour specials. Okay, so a little bit maybe a hot sheet, so we don't want to spread rumors, but maybe so. You grew up on St. Mark's Place. I did. I grew up on St. Mark's between 1st and 2nd, which people call the nice block. It has a lot of trees. Um, it's, it's relatively calm compared to the other two blocks. Is that why it's called the nice blocks? There's just more peace? 
Yeah, I mean, people tend to say this is the crazy block between third and second where we are now, um, and then in between is the nice block, and then between first and A is the funky block. How long is St. Mark's Place? So St. Mark's is just three blocks long. It stretches from Third Avenue to Avenue A and ends at Tompkins Square Park. So it's just about, I think, a half mile. Let's take a walk Let's along St. Mark's Place, shall we? <laughs> Great. So it's still pretty early for St. Mark's Place. It doesn't totally get going until about noon. So some of the shops with the bongs and the scarves and hats are just opening up. Yeah, talk to us about the shops on St. Mark's because they are particularly unique. So it's, it's really been what I think um, the blogger Evie Grieve calls like the ticky-tacky shop capital of the city. You just have this, um, this real trade in sunglasses and earrings and pipes and things like that. How much has that changed? How much have the faces of these storefronts changed over the years? So I think it's really just about the same as it was when kids were coming here in the 60s to shop and, you know, in the 70s. And maybe in the 70s there was more like black light and that kind of thing and more fringe. But otherwise, it's pretty much the same. It's where teenagers come to buy these little pieces of identity construction, you know, like these little... Um, jewelry and, and, and little articles of clothing that they can wear to, to feel more like themselves. A lot of folks shopped at a place called Manic Panic. Is that still around? It, well, it is. They actually are doing really well. They have a whole warehouse out in Long Island City now. They've gone international. Um, and that was on this very block. It was um, at 33. Hair dye, Manic Hair Panic dye. is known for. Yeah, and actually, we could, if we went across the street, we could go to trash and, the former Trash and Vaudeville. It just closed a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah, how close. sad was that that this store closed? Well, it's actually right. I haven't been there yet, but it's just around the corner. It's on 7th Street. Um, oh, they just moved. They just moved a block away. But I think it shows how much people love the, the myth of St. Mark's Place, that people acted as if it was some kind of, like, death knell for the whole neighborhood. That, it, you know, the idea that trash and vaudeville wouldn't be on St. Mark's Place just seems... It seems um, like sacrilege. For those unfamiliar with Trash and Vaudeville, why don't you tell us about that store? All right. So Trash and Vaudeville is here um, at Four St. Mark's Place, and this was this is one of the original 1830s buildings. Alexander Hamilton's family lived here, um, and it was a theater in the 60s. There was a famous show called The Fugs, uh, was it Na Night of Napalm Death, where they threw spaghetti all over Andy Warhol and others in the audience. But since the 70s, it's been one of the main punk shops in the world. Um, it's a lot of rock stars and a lot of teenagers who want to be rock stars come and shop here, get really tight jeans and, uh, and leather jackets. And it's just, it's been a mainstay. Is it sad for you to see the storefront now shutter that the store is gone? I know it's around the corner. It's still sad for me. I mean, I've been since, it opened a year after I was born. So I've walked by it most of the days of my life. And I love their trash um, neon sign. And it's hard to look over and not see that sign lit up. How much do you see yourself as a little girl walking down these streets as you walk down these streets today? How much do you remember of that childhood on St. Mark's? Um, well, every time I walk down the street, I re remember what it was like when I was a kid. And I marvel at how clean it is still. I, I People will say it's dirty, and I say, are you serious? It's so nice. It's so fancy. And, um, yeah, you know, it still has this scuzziness that it's had forever and ever, but... Um, when I was a kid, you know, it was it was pretty dangerous, and there were drug dealers everywhere, and um, and and part of part of me misses that feeling of electricity. Um, but also now I have a kid myself, and so it's kind of nice <laughs> in certain ways. How old is your child? My son is nine.
he's not, and how much does he know now of the history of St. Mark's Place, and how much is he enamored with this area? Um, well, he hasn't really gotten into the Ramones yet. I think when that happens, he will appreciate his homeland more. Um, but he definitely loves coming to visit his grandparents on St. Mark's Place, and he actually, the only place he will get his hair cut is St. Mark's Barbershop. So your parents are still here? They are. They're still in a fifth floor walk-up. They're in better shape than I am. They go up and down the stairs twice a day. Now, when they moved into that apartment, it was the 1970s, right? They moved in 1973. And I understand it was just over $200 a month? That's right. It was $200 a month for a floor through three-bedroom, hardwood floor apartment. Uh, it's hard to imagine now, uh, but it was a really different neighborhood back then. So let's continue walking along yeah. here. So this is the former Baz, and when I was a teenager, it was Kim's Video, which was a real hotbed for indie movies and albums and um, everybody that I knew. We would spend a lot of time in Kim's Was video. there a Kim? There was a Kim. There was a Kim. He started out as a dry cleaner and then um, opened Kim's actually originally on, uh, well, there was on Avenue A and then it was on 2nd Avenue and St. Mark's and then this became Mondo Kim's because it was three stories and very impressive. You mentioned Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol, a very prominent figure on St. Mark's Place. Yes, and he actually did right across the street, if we look, um, 19 to 23 St. Mark's is one of the, the most historic buildings in the whole area. And it was Arlington Hall, so it was a site of German immigrant gatherings, and then it was uh, the Dom, it was for Polish immigrants, and then it, eventually it became um, the site of Andy Warhol's exploding plastic inevitable in the 60s. What is this, 20 St. Mark's? This is a pretty prominent uh, building. I had to stop. This makes me sad. Um, so this is the former Sounds Records. So when I was a kid or teenager, we always shopped here for CDs and record albums. It is also one of the original 1830s buildings. There's there are three. So 420, and I think it's where Search and Destroys is the third one. But, you know, Grassroots Tavern is one of those holdouts, and they've been around, I think, since the 60s. It's been, or 70s, it's been around a long, long time exactly the same, still cheap beer, $1 popcorn. It's really salty and delicious. So you mentioned that your parents are still here. How many of the same faces do you recognize on St. Mark's Place? So I actually see a lot of the same people that I saw growing up. There's one who just, um, who just left, and that was Marty from The Sock Man. The Sock Man was across the street. We always bought all our socks there. And uh, so he is, it's sad to lose him. Um, they just closed up shop a couple weeks ago also. But, you know, the, the, the barbershop, the Charles Fitzgerald, who's been here since 1959, I still see all the time. The Schneemans, I, I mean, there, there's, there are a good 20 or so folks that have been around since I was little that I still run into on a regular basis. And as we see, there are new shops still opening on St. Mark's. Here they are working on one right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, there's, you know, there's been a lot of turnover lately. But a lot of the new restaurants are so good, too. You really have all these ramen and bao shops. Um, it's become a real hangout for Korean and Japanese teenagers and college students in a way that it wasn't um, in past years. So that's, that's kind of a great development. We're now standing before 32 St. Mark's Place. And I'm not sure, but it just looks like a building that something cool might have happened in. <laughs> I'm, sure that, I'm sure something did. I'm totally um, stumped. But next door is where Abby Hoffman started the Yippies, so that's pretty good. There we go. That's very cool. Okay. Yeah, and one of my favorite um, of the many wacky things that he did in that apartment is he would have these uh, press conferences for the Yippies. And so he had one where he said, we are going to go and levitate the Pentagon and we are going to spray this new drug we've developed 
all over the cops. And the, the drug is called Lace. And what it's going to do, it's a combination of, I think they said it was like DMT and various other things. And what it does is it makes them, you know, incredibly horny. And so what's going to happen is we're going to spray this on all the cops. They're immediately going to start having sex with each other and everybody else. It's going to be great. We're going to demonstrate it now for you. So they had mattresses all over the floor. They sprayed it on various people who were there as plants um, who immediately started having sex in front of the reporters on the mattresses. And uh, they said, you know, come to Washington and see more of this kind of thing. Only on St. Mark's. <laughs> Only on St. Mark's place, right here. For those unfamiliar with Abby Hoffman, why don't you give us a little bit of background? Uh, so he was an activist in the 60s, and he and Jerry Rubin started um, this group called the Yippies, and they were very performative. It was um, sort of a, a different approach to protesting the Vietnam War that was very silly uh, and got a lot of attention. What do you think it is about St. Mark's that sort of fosters that kind of creativity? Well, I think that St. Mark's Place has been this place for the counterculture since at least the early 1900s, probably the late 1800s. And so I think one person drew the next, and it's just been a place where people knew crazy things happened, so they'd come here to do more crazy things, and it's one of those perpetual motion machines of craziness. Talking about craziness, I believe that there is a place here now that's now doing a parody of Saved by the Bell, that <laughs> TV show from the 80s, am I right? I, you know, so that's Theater 80 down here. I don't know that that show is, is that show still running? We'll go, I don't we'll know. Go, we'll, I think we'll I might have now. seen it on the marquee recently. Yeah. I mean, here's another, so Gem Spa on the corner right here, this is another place that's been around since far before I was born. It's still the same. They still serve egg creams and sell newspapers. And my parents still buy their newspaper here every day. That's great. You have to have a place <laughs> to get a good egg cream in New York City. That's right. That's right. No, and they have really good egg creams. It's funny. People kept telling me, like, oh, it's a secret recipe. You'll never get it out of them. And then I went up and I said, hey, how do you make your egg creams? And they said, it's just seltzer, milk, and you bet chocolate syrup. So not that secret. Perhaps just more love. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe. What do people say when you tell them that you grew up on St. Mark's Place? Because I would think a lot of people don't see this three blocks as a place where people grow up as a kid. No, it's funny. They say one of two things, and one is, you grew up on St. Mark's Place because they don't think children can grow up here. And the other thing they say is, you grew up on St. Mark's Place, thinking that I must be some kind of punked out, drug-addicted lunatic if I'm from here. You have the Puerto Rico importing company here. Great coffee, I know that. Great coffee, and really cheap, actually. It's like $7 for a pound of like the best coffee ever. That building actually was inherited by, um, well, there's this story. So uh, this kid, Arnie, grew up in the, um, the juvenile kind of hall down the street, and he started working for somebody in the middle of the block, and that guy was this millionaire who then, when he died, left him the Puerto Rico building. So here's this guy who, like, you know, started out as this, this kind of bad boy teenager and ends up a millionaire. Wow. How many times am I going to say only on St. Mark's <laughs> as we do this walk? It really is. You know, there are a lot of stories like that. It's, it's, a, it's a unique place. So this was a former dentist's office, number 44. Um, someone told me that he was learning to be a dentist, and this older dentist let him, like, gave him teeth to practice on. How did you find out all of this information about these three blocks? Um, I really, I did like 250 interviews, and I just, you know, everybody I saw, I just stopped them and started talking to them, and one person would lead to five other people. What would you say surprised you most about the neighborhood you grew up in? I think it was just finding out the backstory from when I was a kid. So right across the street, this is where it says Unitas, it's 57. 
um, down there was this uh, club called Club 57. So when I was a little girl, I remember there was so much street noise. It was really deafening. And I thought, oh, God, those are these people just shut up already. It's so hard to sleep. And now, of course, I know that a lot of what I was hearing was probably two doors down, number 57, and that was where people like Basquiat and Keith Haring and Ann Magnuson and, um, and a lot of other folks were having these crazy and really interesting parties. They'd have Lady Wrestling Night. They would have Monster Movie Night. And it was, um, now I can appreciate it. I, f I forgive them for waking me up when I was five. Did you run into a lot of notables on this block as you walked up and down as a kid? You know, it's funny. I didn't, I wasn't aware of it. I think when you're a kid, it's so, it's so not part of your um, language or sense of values. So, I mean, I remember seeing Allen Ginsberg on my way to high school because um, I went to Stuyvesant, which was then on 15th Street, and that was a little bit of a thrill for me. Did he live on St. Mark's proper? No, I mean, he, he walked down St. Mark's probably every day to get his newspaper from Gem Spa. He read a great poem about Gem Spa. But no, he lived on uh, 13th, I think, back then. St. Mark's reference in a lot of poetry, a lot of music. Yeah, no, it really, it, there are, I think, 45 songs written about St. Mark's Place. Good, how are you? And you still know folks who are saying still, hi. Yeah, <laughs> this is Arnie. Hey, Arnie, how are you? Good. There's Arnie with the amazing story. Yeah. Do you want to say hi? No? Okay. Um, yeah. He, um, yeah, so he's the one who inherited the building. Incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. And yeah. here he is hanging out in the Every time I walk down the street, he's always out with his, um, his dog or talking to people. This is a very loud block. Was it always this loud? Yeah, I feel like it was louder. Maybe I was just more sensitive to it. When there I it is. Saved by the bell, there by the go. way. It's still blank. <laughs> and there's, um, there's still this walk of fame outside and I'm always proud that my hand fits in Myrna Loy's um, handprint because she's one of my favorite actresses. Your mom was an actress, right? She was. She was in a lot of commercials and she was um, on some you know, TV shows in the 80s and in the movie Urban Cowboy. She played John Travolta's aunt. Very cool, yeah. very cool. And your dad, pretty prominent too. Yeah, when I was growing up he was the art critic for The Village Voice and now he's the art critic for The New Yorker. So a lot of inspiration for your creativity growing up, I would imagine, from your parents? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely nice to know that it was possible to make a living as a freelancer. I don't think I would have believed it if I hadn't seen it happen. It is interesting to walk down St. Mark's at this time of day. It's in the morning, and we don't even really need to look where we're going as I'm holding the microphone and looking at you because the streets are still so quiet. It's true. Well, it really, it's, it's, it's a lot busier at night than it is in the morning around here. Is it still a tourist hotspot? Do tourists still come down here just to walk down the same St. Mark's? It still is a tourist hotspot. I mean, every time I'm down here, I get asked for directions, and you just you see people from every country wandering up and down the street looking for people with mohawks, hoping to see some. <laughs> you referenced all of the songs that reference St. Mark's. Do you have a favorite? Uh, let's see. I really like The Dictator's Avenue A. Um, because it's, I, you know, I was trying to look for themes that all the songs about St. Mark's Place had, and they typically mention loss, sunsets, posturing, and then getting drunk and getting high, and I think Avenue A does all of those things. Is there a song that you would say is the soundtrack to your life on St. Mark's? Well, it's funny. When I was in college, I used to go see this band, The Orange Mothers, all the time in, in Texas, and they have this song called Kids Don't Know, and the song is all about how 
you know, so much cooler back when we were younger. And who are these kids? They don't know what they're talking about. They're so stupid. And it always makes me laugh. And I feel like that, for me, was the theme song for the book. Because every interview I did, I would hear things like, you know, when we were drinking in the 70s, it was cool. Now, these kids are so stupid. And they're loud. And they're from NYU. And they don't understand the place. And I think, you know, maybe it's the same. And also, it's kind of funny to think about how, in 40 years, these kids We'll be walking down the street and thinking, oh, God, I hate all these kids. They're so dumb. What are they doing? Their music is terrible. We just walked past a tattoo parlor that said since 1976. So <laughs> since you were a kid, it's still here. There you go. Since the year I was born, there's still a lot of tattoo parlors and piercing places on this stretch. So across the street there, that actually is another really old building. And that um, has been a nursery school since the late 1800s. It's still in operation. The woman who runs it now looks almost identical. Like she could be twins with the woman who founded it in 1896. And they have very much the same sensibility. Wow, so continuously it's been a nursing or nursery school all That's those right. years. Yeah, it was started by a woman named Sarah Curry who was nicknamed the Little Missionary. She was small. And she got the idea because she was walking around the tenements on the Lower East Side and saw all these kids being put in positions of danger all the time. One, she saw hit by, um, by a streetcar, and she just thought, this is not no place for children. Um, and the mother said, well, you know, who's going to watch them, you? And she said, yes, I will. And then she started the school. Wow. How much have the demographics of St. Mark's changed over the years? You know, it's, it, was, it was German, and then it was Polish and Ukrainian, and it's, and, and, you know, so some Puerto Rican, um, and then now it just seems like it's, it's a mix as much as any part of New York. Your book takes us back all the way to the 1600s. <laughs> yeah, so originally it was a Lenape hunting ground for thousands and thousands of years. And then the Dutch showed up and again, ruined it, dead. New York's over, 16, 1609. And they, uh, they started a Dutch farm. Uh, Peter Stuyvesant started a farm here. So this was once Peter Stuyvesant's farm. That's right. We're probably rocking through his pear orchard right now. So what are among your other favorite haunts here on St. Mark's? Um, well, I really like Tompkins Square Park. When I was a kid, I could never go there. So the fact that I can go there now, it's pretty exciting. It's like being let in into some kind of secret garden. Why couldn't you go there as a kid? When I was a kid, it was a tent city. So it was full of... Uh, full of homeless people in tents and a lot of a lot of drugs. And very coincidentally, we are coming upon the park <laughs> right now. Look how pretty. And in 1988, something very, very, very big happened there. Yeah, so if we were walking down this street in the summer of 88, we would basically be in a war zone um, with policemen charging on horses and anarchists throwing bottles and starting, you know, trash can fires. Um, it was pretty dramatic. I watched it out my window when I was, I guess I was 12. So what's the story behind the Tompkins Square Park riots? Well, so it had been a tent city for a long time. It had been controlled by these anarchists and squatters and, um, and homeless people. And so the, the city decided, well, maybe we should take back the park for the residents of the neighborhood. And so they tried to enforce the curfew. I think it was one in the morning. And they said, okay, you have to be out by 1 a.m. and be away overnight. So, of course, people were living in there, and so they refused to leave. And it was this escalating battle between the cops and the people who lived in the park. 
And as you said, it got very, very ugly. It got very, very ugly. And on both sides, it got very ugly. Uh, the cops did not behave well. A lot of them got in big trouble uh, for the things they did that, that night in particular. There were a series of riots. There was one, the, the major one people remember, though, was, was in 88. And you say you remember this, looking out the window of your bedroom. Yeah, I mean, it woke, definitely woke me up. It was um, deafeningly loud. There were choppers. There were uh, there were horses. A friend of mine who also was here for it said it was like being in a Civil War reenactment. And now they are doing things like doga in the park, yoga for dogs. <laughs> Is that right? I haven't seen doga yet. It's a little scary. Um, no, I don't know. The park, it's it's really very pleasant. My, you know, my kidness friends, I brought them here when we had a, a Harry Potter birthday party at my parents' apartment um, and sleepover. They woke up super early in the morning and I brought them all here at like 6 a.m. And it was, we had the whole park to ourselves. It was so magical. And I thought, oh, you know, this is really, it's really nice. So now, do we just walk all three blocks or does the park interrupt St. Mark's? No, we just walked the whole thing. That was it. So that was it. That was the whole three That's blocks. the whole three blocks. Yeah. Let's talk a bit more about the musical history of St. Mark's because the Beastie Boys, very prominent. Mm -hmm. Blondie, very prominent. Led Zeppelin. Yeah. So, um, so I love that Debbie Harry lived on St. Mark's Place when she was trying to be in a folk band called The Wind in the Willows. And she's very beautiful with this like long brown hair and it just doesn't look anything like the Blondie that we know. Um, Led Zeppelin, of course, used... 96 St. Mark's Place as the cover of Physical Graffiti. There's now in the basement a uh, tea shop called Physical Graffiti, appropriately enough. But I'm bump. <laughs> that building also is where it's my it's my book cover too. But it's also where um, where the Rolling Stones uh, shot their video for Waiting on a Friend. Um, so that's there. And then yeah, the the Beastie Boys um, who I talked to for the book, they talked about hanging out in St. Mark's Place when they were punk kids. They were obsessed with the Manic Panic women. They thought they were just like the coolest girls on earth. Adam Horvitz told me that they used to drink at the Holiday Cocktail Lounge, which is on St. Mark's Place between 1st and 2nd. It was on the block I grew up on. And that they would say, uh, I think Mike told me, you know, the drinking age was if you could reach the bar to order, you could get a drink. And Adam said, no, no, no. The drinking age was confidence. So even if you weren't tall enough, you could still get a drink if you were confident enough to order one. So you mentioned at the start of our walk that St. Mark's was once a place of luxury. Talk to us about that luxury. So it was originally supposed to be a fancy neighborhood, a, a, a thoroughfare for rich people. And so a developer named Thomas Davis built these townhouses in the 1830s, beautiful, um, you know, four-story buildings. And it lasted I think like 40 years or something like that, where it was nice. And then pretty quickly, immigrants from further down in Manhattan worked their way up here, took over a lot of those buildings, converted them from one-family homes into um, multi-family apartment buildings, and it got much more raucous. So I always think like, oh, they, you know, they tried to make St. Mark's Place like a nice, you know, street, and it, it's, it resists that. It still resists that. You mentioned that St. Mark's was once home to German immigrants, and of course we have St. Mark's Church, right? And that church was devastated by a steamboat disaster, the Slocum steamboat disaster, really impacted this neighborhood. Right, so St. Mark's Place was basically the main street for um, what was then called Klein Deutschland, and it was so Little Germany. 
and they had a, a huge bustling community. They had beer gardens and uh, one of the first libraries in all of New York and um, restaurants and the community hall and they had big parties and tons of families. A lot of them were in orchestras. People described sound of music coming out of every window. Um, and then in 1904, uh, the church, St. Mark's Lutheran German Church, had their annual picnic, went off for their annual picnic in a boat called the General Slocum. And on the way up the East River, a fire started in one of the one of the storage rooms. And the captain, who was not a good captain, basically went into the wind, fanning the flames. And by the time the ship ran aground, um, many, many people had burned to death. It wound up just devastating the community. Something like 1,100 uh, uh, members of the community, most of them women and children, died that day. Whole families were wiped out. A whole, the whole kindergarten class of the church was wiped out. And from that day on, it, little Germany never recovered. They were already, Germ the Germans were already moving on a little bit and being replaced by other immigrants, but that really just ripped the heart out of the neighborhood. Did St. Mark's Place acquire the name from the church? Yeah, so the street acquired the name from the church, and um, and there's been a real connection between the church and the street all along. A lot of people, a lot of parishioners of the church li have lived on St. Mark's Place over the years, going back to the Hamilton family. Ada, thank you so much for your time and for the walk. Thank you so much, George. It was really nice to meet you. Ada Calhoun is the author of St. Mark's is Dead, The Many Lives of America's Hippest Street. It's out now from W.W. Norton and Company. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Bodarki. Thanks so much for listening. It's WFUV and WFUV HD New York. Listener-supported public media from Fordham, the Jesuit University of New York. Music discovery starts here.